Hey there, what's up everyone? Thanks for listening to Cloud Kata, the modern infrastructure show. My name is Kamalika Majumdar and I am an independent consultant and practitioner of DevOps-driven modern infrastructure. This is my first podcast to share my 12 years of experience from legacy servers to data centers and then to modern day cloud. These are some of the most exciting and interesting stories of this journey which started this very day 12 years back. This show will be available on all podcast platforms as well as on cloudkata.com. So listen in to Cloudkata on your favorite podcast. And as I take you through my journey of modern infrastructure, you can also subscribe to the playlist and transcripts available on cloudkata.com. I repeat, that's cloudkata.com. You can also share your views, queries, feedback or connect with me on cloudkata.com. So without further delay, let's get started. Season 1 and it's called Anatomy of Modern Infrastructure. In order to master something, you should always start from the basics of that topic. That is why this season is dedicated to deep dive into the anatomy of modern infrastructure through the 10-factor infra. And these are network, system, storage, identity management, logging, monitoring, security, availability, disaster recovery, environment on demand. These 10 factors integrates together to form the framework for a robust modern infrastructure. Today's episode is about the first factor, networks. I feel very at home whenever I speak about networks, probably because I started as a network administrator 12 years back and that has opened my minds on how things really work in this IT world. It made me curious to know the end-to-end process of how net really works. Network is like the veins that connect each and every points of infrastructure. So let's get started and see how networks helps drive the modern infrastructure of today's digitally transformed world. What are the driving factors? of digital transformation. Today's modern infrastructure is driven by the four demands of digital transformation. And these four demands are accessibility, performance, privacy, and security. What is accessibility? Providing users a seamless connectivity to product or services from all time money to always on services. Every business wants to be online 24 bar 7 in today's modern digitally transformed world and once you have given them that level of accessibility the next demand that comes up is of performance so accessing a well-performing service or application is the topmost priority of any business today and that's what all of us want isn't it a highly performing application that is available on our palms 24 bar 7. Once you achieve that kind of service, the third thing that brings up is privacy. The third demand is about providing privacy to your customers or users. Today's world is moving towards a zero trust policy based infrastructure and it is gaining momentum 
with the larger adoption of cloud and software as a service model and along the same line comes the fourth demand that is security protecting intellectual property is one of the top most criteria to meet the compliance or of and regulations of any country these four demands that is accessibility performance privacy and security are widely driving today's digital transformation the 10 factor infra that i am presenting to you will give you the mechanisms to meet this demand so let's begin our season with the first factor networks and see how we should supply the four demands of business today and how network plays a key role in laying the first level of foundation for these to meet these four demands so network is a foundation of a solid secure and stable infrastructure it is the root of the infra the stronger the root is the healthier the entire tree will be any loophole in it will lead to compromising the entire system so it is very important to build a robust network for secure and seamless connectivity in and out so how do we do that let's see in order to meet these four top most driving factors that is accessibility performance privacy and security i present to you the four design parameters of network so what does the network factor say network factors say that these four demand factors that is privacy security performance accessibility can be met by the four design parameters which is segregated network perimeter security single secure entry point dedicated peer to peer connections let me begin with some real life stories to understand these four design parameters and how you should put your configuration into these four layers so let's begin uh, our my stories let me begin my uh, explanation with the first design parameter that is segregated network and let's see how segregated network helps in today building a robust infrastructure so i begin with a story where segregated network has helped meet the desired data privacy and the need for customers this is this story is about two businesses which had which were from entirely different domains but they had one sim- single need and that was privacy of intellectual property both had a multi tenant business model wherein they were cu- customer focused services and one was a leading business consulting agency whereas other was a leading retail compliance uh, consumer appliance company both needed to protect their ip for the first one the business consulting agency they they used to provide services to their customers uh, on various business analytics and metrics and that is why giving privacy to their customer so that one data is not leaked to the other was the f- top most requirement for security securing them and for the second one which was uh, the appliance uh, home appliance making company they of course had to protect their pre-launched uh, appliance information from leaking out into uh, public before their launch day so they had to protect the data even even the information and images of their pre-launched or soon to be launched uh, products and that's why they needed to protect their intellectual property and both were aiming towards moving to cloud and it was a very interesting situation where 
both wanted to uh, uh, you know uh, get the performance and the flexibility and the enhancement of modern day infrastructure that in on cloud however they had one topmost requirement which is protecting their intellectual property on cloud especially this is private cloud i'm talking about not on any uh, this is public cloud i'm talking about not any private cloud on premise uh, so they wanted to move from there to the cloud so how uh, how did uh, they achieve that or and what was uh, the design that i created for them in order to achieve that what they needed the first thing that needed was segregation of network topology because as i said they were multi tenant and they had to separate out some layer of data from the other layer so they had to really segregate their data layer and to achieve that the first design parameter that was adopted was a segregated network topology so what is segregated network imagine you are building your house what's the first thing you do you hire an architect and start designing the rooms based on your need and interestingly that is driven and if you have not observed carefully or if you have observed carefully it is driven by what level of visibility you want uh, to give for the external or incoming parties in short it is driven via privacy so your living room is your publicly exposed area where your guest can sit and it is accessible to your guest whereas your bedroom is your private area where you may restrict complete access on and uh, it to only yourself or your family members however you have your kitchen which may have selective access to your guest or to you right now building a network is similar to building your house because you are laying the foundation stone so that is why it is important to segregate your network based on what are the incoming and the outgoing accesses that has to happen for example in your network first layer you will have to isolate the traffic which has to be public and which has to be private and which has to be semi protected or protected now i call it a public private protected model the ppp model what is a public model the public tier will, will host is that layer of network which will host the services which are open to internet let's say your api gateway or your load balancers which provide your uh, mobile apis or your web portals to the internet public then comes the private layer what is your private layer the private layer is will host those uh, services which are data critical which need no, which should not be opened up uh, on to bare internet it should be only accessible to the internal services or internal network and then there comes the third layer which is protected which is which should be partially acc accessible that means it needs outgoing access it needs to send data outside of your network however incoming access is still restricted so with this three tier network segment you have a very clearly segregated network traffic once you have that model once you have that template then you can implement this three tier network for as many of your customers as you want and they need not have have cross access between them and this on the cloud can be achieved through vpcs or if you are on premise you can achieve it via dmzs or vlans 
so using your network segregation what you can do is for one customer you can have one vpc for the other customer you can have another vpc and within the same vpc you further segregate into the three tier network which is public private protected and 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 then you can uh, choose whom to allow traffic and whom to not allow traffic this level of segregation should also be implemented between your production and non production uh, you know data or uh, or the setup so uh, if you have separate v uh, production and non production layer or staging and production layer so separate it out however use the same three tier network for both non production and production that way you will have one template implemented multiple uh, times for multiple uh, setups so that's how using segregated network you can provide the first step towards providing privacy for the intellectual property of your customers that you are hosting now let's come to the second design parameter so once you have achieved segregated network it's not done you will have to still apply three more design parameters and what are these the second one is perimeter security so now uh, let's see you have designed the borders right now you still have to identify who is coming in and who is going out just because something is made public should not mean that anything and everything can enter uh, i can understand that there may be still services which should be opened up and there cannot be any kind of uh, restriction on to who accesses it however i'll come to explain how you can still protect that kind of accessibility in the next design parameter first let's talk about perimeter security now what happens if you do not implement perimeter security to explain that i would like to share uh, two one of the you know biggest security incidents that i had experienced first hand so this is a story about a company's uh, master website you know the marketing website of the company's profile what had happened was that it was a, because it was a company's business website so it was uh, of course open to public internet and uh, it was not protected by any restricted or strict security measure, measures or any firewall policies so and on top of it it was running some vulnerabilities uh, on the software uh, on which the website was hosted and what attackers did that they should have run uh, some kind of scanning or scanners to find out what ports are open on that website and it was an https uh, i think a website and they found out that it is running some version of a particular software which was vulnerable and they broke into that vulnerability right inside the machines and then they injected a very sophisticated javascript injection and what was the result of it suddenly that business website was detected as a, a malware uh, infected website by most search engines and uh, immediately uh, it spread uh, like uh, you know uh, wildfire everywhere and because it was a company's business website it was the first place that anybody will go uh, in it was a dot com website 
where uh, the company's uh, reputation was heavily impacted and immediately after it was identified the first thing that was done was that stop uh, that website stop that ip and then you know fix the vulnerability patching rebuild the website uh, you know uh, format the servers and it was it was actually on a um, it was not on cloud it was on a privately hosted server and uh, but it was open to internet so all that measures were taken however the attacker kept uh, compromising that website no matter which place we go and uh, we tried multiple times and at last what we had to do is build everything from scratch on a demilitarized zone set up on one of our data centers which was very strictly protected and then there were strict firewall rules applied so much so that it it was filtering who can access that website and what all uh, website uh, uh, pages should web pages should be exposed and the the lesson learned from that incident is that even if you are opening up an http port onto internet it is not secured just implementing certificates will not give you the um, level of security that needs to protect and these days it is very important especially to protect the http based websites which are open to internet so how can you achieve our uh, protect your uh, web uh, based uh, sites using uh, perimeter security now perimeter again i would like to clarify that it is not the end there are still four more parameters that we'll have to design so what uh, what do we do in perimeter security now remember you have already segregated your network you have identified using your network subnets that which is your private subnet which is your public subnet which is your protected subnet now it comes to defining who and what and where can go through this three layer of public private protected that is why you will have to achieve through perimeter security and that is done by using network policies or in some cases it can be called firewall rules or you can say it security groups basically these are network policies based on whitelisting so this is how you do it you blacklist everything you deny everything that is the first rule that you implement deny any any and then you start whitelisting which who can access your website this this specifically applies to your public uh, ports and for all the three tiers that i mentioned earlier like public private protected apply this deny rule by default now when you are whitelisting the ips for the private layer you may allow the private uh, subnet to only have access from your say publicly hosted load balancers or let's say you are using a kamai or something else and then only that can access and in some cases you might be lucky enough to restrict it to only your satellite offices um, or your client uh, sites however in many cases especially for mobile applications you may not be able to restrict or whitelist the ips because uh, mobile applications are are accessed over uh, mobile internet and uh, these are all dynamic ip addresses and it is not possible to restrict to one ip address or one country and i'll come uh, to the next uh, point how to achieve the level of security in case in these cases especially for mobile applications where things are open uh, to internet now the second thing that you apply in the network policy is filtering what all filters you need to apply first thing is ip level filter 
the source and the destination from where it is coming where it should go remember if you are allowing it to public uh, layer only allow it to public layer and for private layer maybe your databases are hosted on it only allow your public subnet which is again your private subnet but it is labeled as public because it will be allowed for external access so for public subnet allow access from the whitelisted sources and also allow filters on ports and protocols just because you trust that source does not mean that you should allow everything remember most of these satellite offices uh, or your third party partners might also be prone to compromises so that is why apply only particular ports allow the minimal what is there and what is needed do not give a blanket list of ports and protocols to be accessed from the source ips the next level of uh, filtering is that system to system level access now imagine you have public protected and private so what you can place in the public subnet are your web servers or your uh, you know server uh, web based load balancers or any kind of http based front end servers then comes the protected layer what can you keep in the protected layer is your compute servers let's say your uh, application servers or your uh, microservices which will only accept traffic from the web servers which are in the public subnet the web servers which accept external or incoming access and also outgoing access so outgoing is only accessible to the internal servers right now these protected layer can also be allowed to send traffic outside because sometimes your application might need to connect to a third party library or a third party api to integrate uh, into your functionalities the third layer and most critical is the private layer do not allow any kind of outgoing access no internet access in it only incoming access from your protected subnet so it's a drop down access so outside traffic lands onto your web servers on public subnet from the web servers that gets transferred over the private subnets to the protected layer and the protected layer can send traffic outside and can also send traffic to the private layer only on a read only basis or sometimes maybe write basis the private layer is completely cordoned off from the external world if you observe it, it carefully even the protected layer is cordoned off from the external world the only thing that external world knows about is certain ports and protocols that are exposed on your web layer so that's how you can apply perimeter level security to your network or your environment so remember the example of building your house that i mentioned earlier first thing you design your rooms and your uh, accessibility and then with perimeter security you get the boundary walls and now you need to create the gateway remember the public subnet which is open to internet through which people are able to access your servers now that has to be protected who enters it so imagine your house you have built the house you have built a bound very solid boundary wall uh, and to uh, compare it with our network example we have built the segregated network with perimeter security now we are all ready to open up our public layer to the users 
Now, when you open up the public layer, you need, like in your house, you cannot just keep a big gap in your boundary wall and let everybody enter your house, right? You need to protect, you need to have a gate through which only trusted users are entering and no troublemakers are entering your house. And that comes brings me to my next point, which is single secure entry point. And in today's scenario, in today's digital world with mo everything being uh, delivered as mobile applications, it is very important to make sure that you have a protected entry point for your mobile APIs. Otherwise, it is very easy to hack into and enter into your internal subnets uh, and compromise it. And so uh, I, I would like to explain what are the uh, challenges if you do not have it that you can face with one of the example that goes way back in my journey. It is another example of uh, due to lack of any uh, a, a very strong secure entry point, how one of the web services uh, was brought down by a very standard DDoS attack by attacker. So this was a set of app servers which was opened up uh, using Apache web server onto the uh, onto certain um, uh, paths and uh, it, it was a client web portal which was built. So what attacker did was probably he would have scanned through it and he identified that oh it was an Apache HTTP website. So he launched a massive DDoS attack and he did that by using our website in his some kind of proxy server and sending out all uh, non-valid uh, website requests to our servers. And it was trying to access all sort of, uh, you know, illegal posts, pornography sites, and it was sending, it was proxying it to our uh, web server. And our web server got so busy, the Apache web server got so busy dropping those, uh, you know, 404 not found request that it barely had any time to serve the actual request and the server was heavily slowed down and the whole client, client portal was uh, uh, busy and down for more than a week and that caused huge uh, loss in business and what we had to do is we had to uh, it was so massive that we had to actually blacklist that public ip on which that web server was open uh, because it was registered to be a, a malware server uh, you know proxy server on the internet and we got a lot of complaints we had to blacklist it and what we had to in those days we didn't have a very fancy tool so uh, we applied IP table rules, uh, CLNX rules, and also we built a software uh, IPS system before the web server so that it can filter out those requests which are not valid. Because there is no way to stop DDoS attack. The only way to pro is to protect and prevent yourself from getting busy in solving the DDoS attack. And that is why a single secure entry point is very important. In today's modern infrastructure, there Fortunately, there are services available, uh, softwares available that help uh, you achieve that. So how do you do that? Remember your publicly uh, exposed web server. So how do you expose your web servers? Uh, you may do it using a public facing load balancer, right? Now you may apply certificates into a load balancer and security policy on load balancer. And you might think that, oh, that is enough. I, I secured my load balancer with certificate and that is enough. 
that is not enough because you still are prone to ddos attack and when people send a massive amount of uh, you know a dos uh, attack on your load balancer it will get busy in rejecting those request and forget about serving the valid request so it will slow down your website and it might even make your website inaccessible so what you need is you need a shield in front of it that can be achieved through various tool most cloud provider provide cdns and uh, some thing like aws shield which specific which are specifically built to handle these kind of attacks and these are also called the web application firewalls in some of the cloud providers and sometimes they provide a combination of all of them and if you want to keep it agnostic of the cloud provider let's say you want you don't want to stick to these services provided by only that or you have a hybrid cloud model let's say something is hosted on aws something on ali cloud something on on premise so you have a, in a, on a hybrid cloud model so in order to keep the solution provider agnostic you can go with the with the services like uh, cloudflare or akamai they provide you cloud security gateway they and then how do you do that do that they actually give you bandwidth uh, reservation for your uh, ip addresses so they give you uh, dedicated ip addresses a range of public ip addresses and they make sure that they purchase enough internet bandwidth for their customer so that a part of it even if there is a dos attack th there is enough internet bandwidth in their pipe for their customers to serve their applications and not being bothered by these ddos attack there are other functionalities that has to be implemented for this single secure entry point things like uh, web application firewall rules and ovas policies to prevent uh, sql injection javascript injection xml uh, injection all sort of um, security hacks that might uh, cause compromises to your website so instead of implementing uh, multiple tools to achieve it i would recommend you you take some of the tools like cloudflare or akamai because they give you a whole package to implement all these rules so what do you need you need dns based mapping dns resolver certificates to make sure that the website does not throw any unnecessary errors and certificates are also important don't go with self signed certificate always because uh, even if you automate it you need to renew the certificate after every uh, maybe 3 months or 2 months like let's encrypt certificates it it's good you can continue it but sometimes what happen is you will have to keep uh, renewing it and self signed certificates are not really accepted in another uh, requirement which is uh, really taking its uh, pace today is mutual tls uh, the zero trust policy remember that i spoke about even if you know the person who is accessing you you establish some kind of um, validation so that you can confirm that he is really that person who needs to access it and that is achieved using mutual tls so when you have mutual tls to be implemented between your services and your third party partners or any other apis it is always good to have a publicly signed uh, certificate which is signed by a valid authority uh, on it and i will explain more about certificates in another episodes which is focusing purely on security so uh, again to repeat what all you will need you need a dns based mapping a dns resolver if for your single secure entry point uh, the web application firewall rules ddos protection 
dedicated IP addresses, IP segregation, make sure that those these providers like Cloudflare or Akamai, they also give you dedicated slot so that you do not get dynamic IP. So you can, uh, for your load balancers or your API gateways, they can only allow traffic from these services like Cloudflare or Akamai so that the and they also give you encrypted channel of transmission so that there is no man in the middle attack. So a single once you have a secure entry point, so first request will land into your gateway, a cloud security gateway, which can be Cloudflare or Akamai or uh, AWS Shield or uh, 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 Google Cloud Armor or anything like that. Sorry. And uh, then it lands to your load balancer. So your load balancer is well protected from any kind of unnecessary request, which it does not need to serve. Right. So this gives you the gateway. Now you will ask me, I have got segregated network, a very solid perimeter security and a well protected gateway. It should be enough, right? Now, remember the four points. We have only achieved three of them, which is accessibility, privacy and security. There is still one very important demand, which is performance. Now, ironically, someone might think that security should be thought about first but unfortunately security is thought about last performance is thought about first and that is why i wanted to bring up security first and then performance list because what happens is most cases we are so much focused on getting the best performance making everything accessible over a very good internet supply that we forget about these features which really hit us once we have gone live. So that's why I wanted to make sure that when we are building the infrastructure, the network is foolproof, protected, secure with seamless connectivity. And that's why I kept performance at last because that anyways will be our priority when we build our application. So what should be done to achieve the performance? Now, when you apply, there is a myth uh, still in people that when you apply so many security practices the performance degrades because of course um, I cannot ping a server I cannot assess it into the server only port 80 or 443 is opened up actually in today's day 80 is no longer opened up only 443 is opened up and people will think okay uh, do I really get the performance that I need now yes you will get it but you will have to add certain tuning to your network design and what is the design parameter that we should focus about that is about dedicated peer-to-peer -peer connectivity once you have built your network and your application is hosted onto it in today's scenario with so many third party and uh, SaaS products available we will tend to integrate with all of these providers very rarely today's uh, companies or startup or ecosystem will develop something which is already built. There is a saying say don't reinvent the wheel right. If there is a payment gateway you will not build your own payment gateway. If you are a bank you would like to use what is the best payment gateway available or what is the best switching provider available right. Um, and when you integrate let's say you have built your services your functionality your e-commerce portfolio and you want to integrate with this card provider make sure that there is a dedicated peer-to-peer -peer connectivity do not connect to them over bare minimum internet because there are certain issues in it if you just keep things open up to internet 
people will only think about oh there may be security issues so let's set up a secure or encrypted channel so what do we do we set up a side to side vpn now side to side vpn might give you the protection of your data in transit however it does not guarantee the bandwidth and latency that your data transmission needs the second important thing is data replication now in today's 24 bar 7 always on services one or more copy of your data has to be replicated across your sites and that's why you see in clouds the multi az or multi region model and clouds like google have their own dedicated network to provide you multi region connectivity now as long as you are in a single cloud provider you are in their uh, network uh, network setup so you are in a dedicated intranet however once your traffic leaves your cloud provider and let's say goes to another cloud provider which may or may not be the same one where your service are hosted or that it may be even a data center uh, with legacy systems you will have to make sure that there is the bandwidth is stable and latency is as minimum at least less than 1 millisecond otherwise you will see the performance hit in your application so what is that that you need for your performance make sure that there is a dedicated direct connection between your peers no matter what peer it is it may be your own internal offices and your services hosted on cloud it may be your cloud services to your satellite uh, centers or your kiosk or it may be your third party partners this dedicated connectivity can be achieved to various way nowadays most cloud providers give physical level direct links between the clouds to interconnect the clouds and uh, these provide a lot of advantages as i said minimum latency better performance privacy of data in transit so even after you have established vpns there are still chances that there is a man in the middle attack so if you have a dedicated connection you make sure that no one else traffic else's traffic is flowing through the dedicated connection so you protect your privacy of data in transit in the first section i described about protecting your ip uh, which is data at rest and this is data in transit it also gives you fault tolerance so you do not have to depend on your internet connection let's say your internet is down then everything will be down if that connectivity is uh, not available right imagine you are a bank a mobile application and suddenly internet connection is down and people are able to transfer money using nft so that is immediately a setback for a bank banking application so dedicated peer to peer connectivity gives fault tolerance dual isp models which help you uh, mitigate these issues that might come and this is also important for multi site data replication sometimes you may want to keep a second copy of your data in on your on premise or sometimes you may not be able to move your data core data onto cloud due to regulations and compliances and you need to meet the data replication across sites like say between you have a dc and a dr and still date i have experienced very recently that in no matter you say that you are on cloud you are in a multi az setup the regulators of that country will ask you to provide evidence that your data replication happens correctly and there is no loss of data and that is why when you are having services clusters of data to replicate across the data centers you need to make sure that the latency between those data center is less than 1 millisecond if you, the latency 
between the data center is more than 1 millisecond, then your data replication will fail. And we have observed it with one of our uh, setups wherein we chose the DCDR from the same vendor and it was all promised all going on fine until our data size exceeded 500 GB and we were close to 1 TB of data and the replication suddenly stopped one day. And then to get the data replication working, we had to literally wait when the latency is less than 1 millisecond. And once been asked to the vendor, they said that, oh, we did not actually, you did not ask for a dedicated connection. You just asked for a connection. So we gave you connectivity. So that, uh, you know, brought me to thinking that we should really validate with the cloud providers that what is the latency between their data center. Well, in most of the cloud providers, at least to the topmost one, AWS or GCP, the data center latency is handled by their own private setup. So you can be rest assured. So that is why make sure that you always, if you are on a single cloud provider, you might have already achieved dedicated peer-to-peer -peer connectivity. So it is better to use a direct connection. And uh, in, in, in respect to cloud, suppose you are you are hosted on same cloud and your partner is also hosted on same cloud instead of having a vpn connection with them try to see if they can set up a, a vpc peering right now technically it is possible but there may be some compliance need and you know approvals that is needed so when you are on a cloud platform and if you are on a same cloud platform utilize the vpc peering functionality instead of a site to site vpn or a vpn gateway functionality so that your traffic remains private on to dedicated links of that cloud provider and utilize their bandwidth as much as you need so that com com completes the four design parameters that i wanted to cover for the network factor so in the 10 factor security in the 10 factor infrastructure for security privacy uh, accessibility and performance, what does the network factor say? To summarize, the network factor say that a robust infrastructure needs to be secure and seamless connectivity across all systems and services. To secure connectivity, network should be segregated or subnetted with respect to incoming and outgoing access using firewall policies to secure perimeter. There should be a single secure entry point for traffic landing onto your services from internet. And for seamless connectivity and better performance, make sure you use dedicated private links for peer-to-peer -peer connectivity and data transmission. With that note, I would like to conclude today's episode. Let me know how did you like it and if you would like to know more about networks, share your feedbacks, your queries your thoughts on cloudkata.com the transcript of this website along with other reference materials and examples that i spoke about the deck that i discussed about will be available on cloudkata.com so do share your feedback and queries and subscribe to the show to get the latest updates i'll be back next friday with another brand new episode and more infra stories on cloudkata season one next episode will be about the second factor that is system so stay tuned to continue on to this journey of anatomy of modern infrastructure through 10-factor infra. Talk to you next week on Cloud Kata, Mastering Modern Infrastructure. Till then, take care, stay healthy, stay safe. This is your Infra Coach, Kamalika, signing off. Bye-bye.